views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals participating in the show. All persons described or mentioned in the podcast should be considered innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. This podcast contains subject matters such as violence and graphic descriptions along with adult language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. On Memorial Day weekend, 1995, a couple is enjoying a nice camping trip in Arizona's Tonto National Forest. They could have never guessed what would destroy their serene surroundings. Suddenly, a 10-ton semi-truck comes crashing through the woods. Though we know who was behind the wheel, why they did what they did is one of the biggest mysteries in Arizona's history. You're listening to the Mysterious Bruce Podcast. And tonight we bring you the case of Devin Williams. Welcome to a deep, dark, dank, moist basement somewhere in the bowels of Georgia. Well, this has been a hell of a week. Uh, We started off attempting to record on Sunday, but it was Super Bowl Sunday. (laughs) So then... Apparently, I'm a huge Swifty, so... Obviously, because that's the only reason we didn't didn't, (laughs) didn't record. Because neither one of us gives a shit about the Chiefs or the Niners. But... I'll tell you what. I tell you why I I, we, I didn't record this because I was wanting I did not want to miss the Deadpool preview. I was like, we got to watch the game to watch Deadpool preview, and it was like the first commercial break. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it was a pretty good preview. I will give him that. Oh, he, I'm gonna watch the hell out of that movie. He did quite well, but he always does. Uh, then. Something happened with Monday. Oh, you had uh, work-related things that had to be I done. Had paper, I had paperwork had to get done. Yeah, and then you were like, well, let's do Tuesday. And I'm like, ah, scratch that, boss. That's my wife's birthday. <laughs> I said, let's go do Wednesday. And he's like, scratch that, boss. That's Valentine's Day. <laughs> I don't really celebrate Valentine's Day, but I figured it'd be nice if I you know, didn't do my podcast the whole time. Yeah, so <laughs> it helped. It helped. And then uh, we are now recording on a Thursday night. And I even put in the post where I said that you had a huge heart throb for Taylor Swift that we had miscalculated. And so y'all may get this as a regular episode on Tuesday. You may get it on a Friday. Hell, nobody knows. I don't even know. Yeah, I will say this. Patrons will get it way earlier than anyone else. That is the they'll benefit. Get, they'll get me. They'll get the the pleasure of hearing me say "fucks" twenty seven thousand times trying to get that trying to get that damn opening. I'm never going to live down the fact that I did not do that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing. Like it was because you you sent me a mess. No, I heard from Heater first. He's like, "Man, Coach killed that." And I was like, "Did I upload the the?" raw data to the patrons because sometimes i'll do that and i'm like huh and then you text me and you're like man 
Way to just throw me under the bus. And I'm like, wait a minute. So I pull up the whole episode on Apple, and sure enough, there's everything. <laughs> yeah. Me just cussing up a storm. <laughs> People don't tune in to hear cuss words there, Arlo. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gents. We had a new patron, and I think we got a new five-star review, if I'm not mistaken. If we do, I ain't seen it, but I'll look real quick. You look, and I'll pull up the patrons. Okay. See, see what these old patrons be saying. I sound like a slice fry gold me right there. Yeah, yeah. Well, what you going to do is you're going to go into this curve. And then right as you come into that other curve, there's going to be a dirt road right there. You're going you're gonna to miss it. And then it's the next one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we had the artist known as, actually, we've, I don't know. Who knows? Alicia Rogers, shout out to her. And the artist known as Tom. He's a hog fan. I'm thinking Arkansas. $3 tier. Or maybe he just likes last call at the bar, you know? Yeah, never know. Never know. Things will remain a mystery. So I was, I'm so bored to tears when I teach virtually that I have to come up with like British accents and then sometimes I'll talk real country and somebody, one of the kids thought they were going to make fun of me. Is that a country accent? I was like, son, I can get so country, your ears hurt. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, all right. Did you find that five star? I sure did, man. That's a good one. February 6th, not too long ago, some mysterious bruise from the wind, for the wind, sorry, from a man named Tom in Fort Worth. That's in Texas. The stars at night are big and bright. Deep in the heart of Texas. <laughs> and this fine young gentleman said, quickly, five stars, quickly becoming one of my favorite podcasts. Keep up the great work, fellas. I really enjoy the show. Simple. Straight to the point and fucking accurate. Yes, yes, and more yes. All right, so I wanted to give this fan a a shout-out. They had sent some previous correspondence, and uh, I sent out some stickers right after the first of the year. Uh, They texted me on my wife's birthday. Jesus, this cord's killing me. Basically, well, they get said, your shit, get your shit together. I dude. can't. I can't. I'm not going to listen to another episode of, of Mike Cords. I was in. I was in the process of trying to tape this damn thing, and I don't have any tape in here. So, this is like year four. Yeah, get you'd think we could get our together. shit together. Anyway, you're uh, all your professional setup while I'm screaming into my laptop. <laughs> <laughs> Brianna Duran. It went back and listened to some old episodes and found an article about the Brandon Lawson case. And I sent that to coach earlier this week and we'll try to put this on our socials. Um, she also went in and said that her take on the nine one one call is basically what most people think was said. Uh, the thing is that the, I guess the eerie thing with this is there or she's from San Angelo, Texas, and that's the town that he went missing from. So that she said that kind of puts some of the landmarks into an eerie, eerie light. But anyway, so any of you that are true crime fans know the Brandon Lawson case. And so I just wanted to touch on 
she thinks what she hears is, yes, I'm in the middle of the field. The trooper just pulled some guys over right here going towards Abilene on both sides. My truck ran out of gas. There's one car here, got chased into the woods. Please hurry. Then the operator says, there's one guy talking to him. I accident- The operator says something. Then he says, there's one guy talking to him. I accidentally ran into him. Operator says something. Brandon says he got the first guy. Operator says something again. No, I need the cops. So there is also a Facebook group, and I did not check on this because when it was sent, we were going to dinner for my wife's birthday. But I think Brandon's fiance, girl, ex-girlfriend, Ladessa, has a help find Brandon Lawson Facebook page. Yeah, but like, has she has she ever given her interpretation of what it is? Ladessa. Ladessa, yes. I don't see. I don't know. I've kind of looked into That's, it when I mean, we. Who the hell? Who the hell would know better? Because you're right, and it just clicked in my head. Like in this whole time, for this case that we still follow, that we followed heavily way before we we uh, recorded it. There's no transcript of Ladessa translating what he said, or his brother trying to translate what he said. Who the hell would know better? to interpret your country-ass accent than your significant other or your sibling. Correct. Great point. I mean, he's got a damn country, thick country-ass accent. We have had, I wanted to say this last week, and I keep forgetting about it, so I'm going to say this, and then we'll get into the case. If you have sent case suggestions on our social media, please, and we've not done the case. It's not because we're ignoring you. It's just stuff gets buried with how stupid the stupid memes that we send each other back and forth. But anyway, if you would please, if you have a case suggestion, please email it to mysteriousbrews at gmail.com. That way I know it's there. It's not going anywhere. And I actually already have a folder set up for case suggestions so I can get that thing to just drop right in there. So again, I do apologize. I'll take full ownership in this. If you have sent a case suggestion within the last six months and we've not covered it, send your case suggestion. You can even put, hey, dumbass, and send it to mysteriousbrews at gmail.com and we'll get that out there. Because I was looking. We just, I mean, we don't try to. We're over here trying to stomp out ignorance and our ankles are weak and we're just getting tired. That's like my life now. I don't, if I, honest to God, if I woke up and or and went through an entire day and I wasn't just 100% completely exhausted, I would literally think I died. That's what I told point. my wife earlier today. I just want to go to bed and rest. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I just like, want to rest. After tomorrow, I have a whole week off of work for winter break. Girlfriend's like, what do you want to do? I was like, I don't know. Lay in bed until we can't lay in bed anymore. Until the doctor says I have bed sores. I want to research the lethal dose of my sleeping medicine and just take <laughs> it back one. <laughs> Come off it a hair. Yeah. It said nine will kill you. I'm going to take eight and a half. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to roll the dice tonight. We're either going to sleep yeah. like a baby or we're not going to wake up. 
Yeah, well, either way, I'm going to sleep. It's either for a long time or forever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. All right, so let's get into this. We are talking about Devin Williams on the night of May 27th. Night- Hold on, wait, hey, oh, hey. Jesus, here we go again. Don't just jump right in the shit. I gotta, we have to banter. We've Once been bantering. Reading, once you start reading your notes, I can't get a damn word in edgewise. Oh, here we go. Talking hey, about true. getting my shit together. <laughs> I, I'm trying to help you if you would listen. <laughs> I was just going to say, before you just ran, just start blah, 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 on, on the day of 1995. <laughs> I was just going to say this case is world famous because it was featured on a little show called Unsolved Mysteries. If you haven't seen this show, you're probably under 12, maybe. I was going to say, don't you have Pluto TV or Tubi. You be listening. Yeah. You don't have Tubi. You don't have Pluto. You don't have YouTube. So Shout out to Tubi. To us. Yeah, but you shouldn't be. If you're, if you're under 12, you shouldn't be listening to me say fuck all the time. No, you should not, fucker. <laughs> So on the night of May 27th, 1995, an over-the-road truck driver, that's what we call them 18-wheel drivers, named Devin Williams pulled his refrigerated semi-truck into a truck stop in Kingman, Arizona. After parking his truck, he reached over, grabbed his sleeping bag, and began to unroll it. Normally, he would get out, go into the truck stop, use the bathroom, brush his chicklets. He'd probably have to dodge a few lot lizards. Yeah. He's he's running the serpentine, serpentine, serpentine. Yeah, you got to call home. You got roll on highway, roll on long, roll on daddy till you get back home. Roll on family, roll on through, roll on mama like I asked you to do. Roll, roll on eighteen wheeler, roll on, roll on, roll on. <laughs> Uh, I just uh, love that. Can song. I get a couple dollars change? Cause I'm calling Baton Rouge. If you if you don't know who that song, that band particular song is, look up the great band Alabama. The band is much better than the state. <laughs> they do have one good barbecue joint in the whole state called Dreamland. I've never been. Uh, I'll tell you, we had a heated debate on our private page about barbecue and the consensus is in is Memphis barbecue sucks dick right now. Yeah. That's what I could gather. Uh, Nashville has got some decent ones, the little mom and pop ones, but man, we could turn this into a barbecue podcast in the heartbeat. Oh, easily. But anyway, so he's going in there. He's going to brush his chicklets. He's going to put some deodorant on. He's going to wipe that old carny butt of his, but he was, He's not a carny. He's a trucker, man. Give some respect. <laughs> he was Keep so rolling, brother. He was so exhausted that he just unrolled the bag in his sleeper cabin behind the front seats and tried to go to sleep. Now he had been on the road for the last four days, basically nonstop, and all he wanted to do was finish his route so he could get back home to his wife Mary Lou and their three kids in the big thriving town of Americus, Kansas. I don't know much about Kansas other than there's really nothing in really? Kansas. Granted, I haven't been to the big cities like Topeka or uh, 
well, I haven't been to Topeka, but I've drove through Kansas, and that is one flat fucking state, man. There is nothing. Well, if it's anything like its namesake, America's Georgia, there's nothing in America's Georgia either. Oh, hell no, there's nothing <laughs> in America's Georgia. God, no. So Devin did not like being away from his family, but unfortunately he had to be because his family had just purchased a new house that needed a whole lot of TLC and fixing up it. Now, Devin tried to fall asleep, but he just couldn't, and that would mean that he would have to take another break later along this route to rest because he couldn't drive nonstop without any sleep. First of all, it was dangerous. Second of all, it's against the law. He was in a catch-22. If he didn't get some sleep, he would have to take a break that he was not planning on, thus delaying him getting back to his family as soon as possible. So it was Saturday night. Devin's cargo of strawberries and lettuce were due in Kansas City, Missouri on Monday morning. That was 1,300 miles away. So Devin began doing the math in his head. If he stopped in a couple of hours to attempt to get some sleep, would he still be able to cover those 1,300 miles by Monday? He wasn't sure, and the fact that he was tired did not help his mental math. Now, Devin was known around his job as an easygoing, good-natured 21 29-year-old man. Trucking was very difficult, and truckers drive ridiculously long hours on hardly any sleep, and it was widely known that some long-haul drivers even took drugs to stay awake. Oh, yeah, that's back in the day. Yeah. You find them uh, Yellow trucker bombs on the side of the road. You know, they don't stop to pee. They just pee in a bottle, chuck it out the window. Yeah. Getting them little yellow jackets and whatever they call it, and straight up meth. I was gonna say it is, yeah, it was legalized meth in a blister pack. I'm saying, yeah, either the yellow jackets or straight up illegal 100% drug related meth. M E F F meth. Now, it is not a secret that a lot of long haul truckers also have a reputation of being rough and tough Devin fit the mold on the outside with his rough and tough persona however he was just a big old guy who wore a cowboy hat had a big Fu Manchu mustache some tattoos but in reality despite how he looked he was a gentle giant and any chance he had he would talk about his kids and his family that he loved unconditionally when his co-workers were asked if they had ever seen Devin get mad, they stated that was only a couple of times, and that usually involved his work. For his load. He got mad if he had to wait for the load because it would mean he was going to be late to get back to his woman and his chitlins. That's right. That's the only thing that would get him cross. Now, as Devin tossed and turned inside the sleeping bag, he started getting madder and madder because he was thinking how this stupid route and his failure to get any sleep during his planned break was more than likely going to delay him in seeing his family. After an hour of Devin tossing and turning and getting angrier and angrier, he finally gave up, and I bet he whooped the shit out of that sleeping bag. I'm just, I'm just saying. So he properly, I know, folds that sleeping bag and climbs out of the cab, heads into the truck stop where he went to the bathroom. He would then grab something to eat, and then he called his boss. He told his boss that he had just made a stop in order to try to sleep, but he couldn't, 
So he was just going to hit the road again, but not to worry. His cargo would be delivered in Kansas City on Monday morning on time. After speaking to his boss, Devin left the truck stop, climbed back into his truck, fired it up. That old diesel engine made an eerie sound. Oh, (laughs) well, Papa fired it up and hit it into town. The desk clerk said he saw it all real clear. He never had the brakes and he was shifting gears. There's a lot of trucker songs, man. It is. Hey, we're going to be singing Convoy for the end of this shit. <laughs> Rubber ducky. <laughs> well, he was eastbound and down. I om- Dude, I almost opened up this song. I almost opened up the whole episode with that song, but I decided that we'd keep it. Well, we got to be respectful yes. towards the, the gentleman, and we are, but, I mean, we can't help. We're from fucking Georgia. We like country music. We know a lot of songs about truckers. Yeah, and truth be known, growing up in small little towns, we both probably played on a CB at some time. (laughs) I know I did. (laughs) All right, before long, he's back on the road driving east. Devin's boss was a guy named Tom Wilson. When asked about the call from Devin, he stated that he didn't find anything unusual about the call. He did say that it may have been a little abnormal that Devin was unable to sleep and then he called him to tell him that, but Devin sounded completely normal to Tom. And Tom was not worried at all that Devin would not make his delivery by Monday morning. Devin was one of the most reliable guys, and so if Devin said he was going to be there on Monday morning, even if he needed extra breaks along the way, then he would be there on Monday morning. So Monday morning rolls around, and the distribution center in Kansas City, Missouri, where Devin was supposed to go and drop off the load of lettuce and strawberries, called Tom Wilson and said, your driver is not here. What's going on? And at first, Tom was actually pissed at the distribution center because they had called right on the nose. Like, he's supposed to be there at 8.30. They called right at 8.30. And more than likely, Devin would arrive in the next couple of minutes. So Tom felt the call was premature, and he expressed that to the distribution center in so many words. They said, okay, we'll wait a few more minutes. And they actually okay, 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 we'll wait. So they actually (laughs) waited almost an hour and called Tom back because Devin had still not shown up. Now they were the pissy ones this time and told Tom, "Hey, your boy's not here, and we've waited almost an extra hour." This second call worried Tom. He apologized to the distribution center and said he would get in touch with Devin and see what the holdup was and figure out where the shipment was at and when it would be there. Now, it may come to a shock, or yeah, it may come as a shock to some of our younger listeners, but Tom couldn't just call Devin or text him and ask him where he was at because we're talking about 1995. Everyone didn't have a cell phone, so Tom essentially had to wait for Devin to call him. All day Monday, Tom sat at his desk waiting for a call from Devin, and when he didn't get that call, he began calling his other drivers all over the country, asking them if, by some slim chance, they had some interaction with Devin and knew where he was and why he had not made it to Kansas City on time. Unfortunately, none of the drivers had any idea what was going on with Devin. No one had spoken to him. That evening, Tom would get a call, but it was not from Devin. It was from Devin's wife, Mary Lou. 
She was calling to ask where Devin was at. He was supposed to be home by now, and he wasn't. She would explain to Tom that she had not heard from Devin in several, several days. Tom then explains to Mary Lou what was going on with Devin and how he had missed his deadline. Mary Lou freaks out, immediately calls the police, and shortly after calling the police, an officer in America's Kansas drives out to Mary Lou's house, and the officer takes down the missing person report. After getting all of the information from Mary Lou, the deputy assured her that more than likely her husband would be found and he would be just fine. They explained to Mary Lou that what they would do is put out an alert to all the different police departments that fell roughly along the route that Devin would have been on and see if any of them had some sort of interaction with Devin. They would check to make sure that he had not gotten into an accident or his truck broke down and he was stranded somewhere. They would also make sure those departments would check all of the hospitals and truck stops to make sure Devin was not just sitting in limbo. Luckily, after this alert went out, the officer got a call back quite quickly from a sheriff's department in Coconino County, Arizona. Coconino County was located 200 miles to the east of Kingman, Arizona. Now, remember, Kingman is where he had tried to get some sleep Saturday night. This is also the place he called his boss Tom. Oddly enough, the sheriff's department in Coconino County made it crystal clear to the America's Kansas officer that they had no idea where Devin was, but they knew exactly where his truck was at. (laughs) Everybody knew. Yeah, everybody. Everybody in this little town. Seems like everybody in the little county of Coconino in Arizona knew where this truck was at. See, the location of this hill truck, it was the talk of the whole county. Now, on Sunday, the day before Devin was reported missing, somebody driving his truck spent the entire day terrorizing hikers and campers inside the Tonto National Forest inside Coconino County. Now, the Tonto National Forest is roughly a 600,000-acre wilderness preserve and is nowhere near the route that Devin should have taken. To be honest, it is 20 miles from the nearest highway. The roads, if you want to call them that, are basically two-track, one-lane roads that are just wide enough for a standard car or pickup truck to travel down. And if you meet somebody, both of you go, oh, shit, can I get over? (laughs) Well, guess what? Not when he's coming through. You ain't getting over. You backing the hell out. That's right. See, approximately eight hours after Devin had called his boss, two hikers named Lynn and Jack Yarrington were in their tent situated near a dirt road, kind of tucked around a corner when they started hearing a low rumbling sound. So they don't know what the hell's going on. They unzip the tip. They unzip the tent and look out, and at first they didn't see anything. But the low rumbling, it was getting louder. Then they see it, a huge cloud of dust with some smoke mixed in it. As they are looking at this, they are getting more and more confused when all of a sudden, through the dust and smoke, they see a semi-truck hauling ass down this dirt road, like eastbound and down, loaded up in truck and hauling ass. I bet he going to do what they say can't be done. I think he did. They were not scared. It was more like a state of, what the fuck has going on in here? How did this truck this size get this far into the wilderness area? Did the driver get lost and they're trying to find a place to turn around or something? A few minutes pass, 
They hear the same rumbling sound as before, but this time coming from the opposite direction. Hey, I mean, clearly found a place to turn around. Obviously. Sure enough, same semi-truck comes hauling ass back the other way. So they're relieved because he got he found a place to turn around, and he's just going to go back, and he's going to be on his merry way, right? That's exactly what they're thinking. They're like, you know what? Our first intuition? Yep. Tune in next week. We'll solve another one. <laughs> As they're kind of laughing about how odd this is, about seeing a semi-truck all the way in the middle of nowhere wilderness, they hear the sound of the truck coming back at them. They look up, bingo, bango. Here it comes, hauling ass again down the same road. However, oh, yeah. I mean, that, I mean, I'm sure they were very confused at the sight of the semi truck, but to see it come back, you go at the, go the opposite way it was coming. Okay. It's leaving. It found its way. Then to come back, man, that had to like blow their freaking mind. Yes. Now, the problem is this time as it's coming back, they look down the road and they see a small vehicle coming in the opposite direction. So basically, we are about to have a head-on collision with a semi and a car. So remember, Jack and Lynn are kind of tucked off the road in a curve so they can see both directions. And they assume that neither the truck driver or the driver of the car is aware of the other so Jack and Lynn haul tail down towards the road. They start screaming, yelling, waving their arms at the driver of the truck to slow down, but the truck driver acts totally oblivious. The driver of the car sees Jack and Lynn waving their arms, trying to get somebody to stop on the road, and senses that there was another vehicle coming and comes to a complete stop. All of a sudden, the driver of the car sees the semi-truck barreling down on them, and they slam the car in reverse and start backing up, trying to get out of the way of the semi-truck. The driver of the car eventually cuts the wheels and swings the car off the side of the road and into the bushes. The driver of the semi has not slowed down one bit and could clearly see that there was a car in front of them. Trying to get out of the way, Jack and Lynn watch all of their this unfold with their mouths wide open and the semi never slows down. One second. Now, the driver of this little car gets out as Jack and Lynn run up to him and make sure he's okay. He assures both of them that he's fine, and despite maybe some doo-doo stains in his underwear, everything's kosher. He explains to them that he got a good look at the driver of the truck as he drove past. He said the driver was, quote, just gripping the wheel, looking straight ahead, no expression whatsoever, just flying past, end quote. It was like he didn't even see the car. He was just... Hammering down. Now, a little later that same day, not far from where Jack and Lynn and the car incident had taken place, there was a family that was hiking through the Tonto National Forest. They had just made their way to this large open field in the middle of the forest. They had planned to have a picnic in the area and in on the edge of this field, but as they're coming out of the tree line, making their way into this picturesque postcard moment, they see this eyesore of a huge semi-truck right middle, right in the middle of the field. They kind of look at each other, and they kind of check to make sure, hey, am, are y'all seeing what I'm seeing? And they're all like, yeah, there's a damn truck in the middle of this field. 
So the man is kind of blow your mind. I mean, like they're. The man is kind of like looking at his family, looking back at the truck. They're all like, what are we going, you know, this kind of, we just walked all this way to eat. <laughs> and there's a truck in our picnic spot. I mean, we got to think about how rural this is. I mean, it's 20 miles from the interstate approximately. And it's like a single lane dirt road for miles. Like he's he's in it, man. He is in the wilderness, in, in a full size semi truck, refrigerated trailer. So he's got a refrigeration unit on this trailer, and so not only do you have this truck, but you've got this huge refrigeration unit on the front of the trailer. So the guy, the father of this family, kind of pinches himself back into reality, and he starts walking towards the truck because he sees a man standing next to the truck. The man is kind of looking away from the, where the family's at off. He's gazing out into the mountains. That's out in the distance. So the family, they assume that this man, obviously the driver of the truck had somehow gotten lost and had taken several wrong turns and wound up in this field stuck thinking that they were, there was a good possibility that the truck was either broke down or stuck so bad he couldn't move, the father starts making his way closer to the truck. Well, as the dad gets closer, his spotty senses start tingling, and he tells his family, y'all y'all just stay right here. And so he goes forward and checks some things out. So he continues to walk towards the driver and the truck, and as he gets closer, he does see that the truck is actually stuck in the mud. So when the dad gets within earshot of the driver, he calls out and asks, hey, do you need some help? We can go back and call someone. Where can or what can we do for you? End quote. The driver of the truck just stands there totally oblivious that someone is yelling questions at him. He is just standing there motionless, looking off into the distance at the mountains. So the dad makes his way closer and gets within five or six feet of the driver and says, Hey buddy, I'm talking to you. Are you okay? Do you need help? The driver turns around and looks at the dad and the dad immediately like loses all color in his face and is freaked out because he notices that there's something off about this guy. And the guy's just kind of standing there and he's now staring right into the dad's eyes. And he opens his mouth like he was about to say something, but instead of words coming out of his mouth, the guy starts trying to open his mouth wider and wider until it was as wide as he could humanly get it. And at that point, this man begins wiggling his bottom jaw back and forth as fast as he could and clicking his teeth simultaneously. That's creepy as all hell. Yeah. Like, you know, uh uh-uh. I'd be like, Slowly I turned. Hell no, it ain't slowly nothing. My fat ass be running. That's two movements. <laughs> <laughs> so the dad starts backpedaling like this old boy's possessed or he's high on something or something's wrong with this guy. And as the dad is about to turn and just sprint back to his family to get them out of there, the guy stopped contorting his mouth and he just stared directly at the dad and said in an eerily calm tone, quote, I didn't do it. They did, end quote. That's insane. I heard, well, I also heard that 
it was a little bit different was they made me do it. I had seen that and I just didn't know. What the fuck is they? It doesn't matter. He said they, somebody either said they did it or they made me do it. Either way, what the hell? Who? Who's they? You got a mouse in that pocket of yours. Now, totally on edge, hypersensitive as to what the hell he stumbled upon. Old boy and his family just doesn't ask any follow-up questions like, who's they? <laughs> who's no, this? I want to <laughs> I'd be start the car. Start the car. <laughs> he just turns, old dad turns just like Coach said he would, and he sprints back to his family. And the family sees their father sprinting towards them, and they're like, oh, hell. And so they turn around and they start running, and they all run straight to the car. And it's one of those things where they don't say anything to each other, and they just get in the car and they drive straight back home. I don't know how far home was, but after they get home, they call the police and report that there's this strange guy next to a truck that's stuck in the mud in the middle of this field in the middle of the Tonto National Forest. I don't know how far away home is, but it ain't damn close enough for me. (laughs) Now, it would take a deputy from the Coconino County Sheriff's Department some time to finally make it all the way out to this field where the semi-truck and this guy apparently were. When the deputy finally arrives on scene, they walk out into the field, and sure enough, just like the guy who had called and reported it said, he finds this semi-truck stuck in the mud. The deputy makes his way to the truck, expecting to find the driver sitting in the cab or just on the opposite side of the truck from where the deputy's approaching. But when old boy gets to the truck, he finds it totally abandoned. Nair a soul was in sight. And it's locked up, though. That's right. And the, the refrigeration unit's still on. So and the, so's the truck. And thankfully, the lettuce and the uh, the strawberries are are still good. And so they have a big strawberry salad with some ranch dressing and call it a day. <laughs> Actually, no, that's not how it went. So the deputy goes up to open the cab, but the cab's locked. He was able to look inside and everything looked to be in a neat, orderly fashion. Nothing that would, you know, send up alarm bells. So he goes around to the back of the truck and like Coach stated, he opens it up and he finds that not only is the truck idling, but the refrigeration unit is still on and inside he finds a plethora of strawberries and lettuce. There it is. Trying to get it in there for you. The deputy is bum-fuzzled. He checks the license plate of the truck, and when he runs the tag against the database to see if there were any missing trucks reported or missing drivers reported, he doesn't get a hit. And the reason he doesn't get a hit, remember, all of this shit just went down inside the Tonto National Forest is taking place on Sunday, the day before Devin is reported missing and the day before his truck is due for the delivery. Yeah, it's unfortunate because, yeah, he was supposed to be on the road. No one's going to think he's missing. Right. And 24 hours later, when Devin is reported as missing, the Coconino County Sheriff's Department puts all the pieces together and calls the officer in America's Kansas and said, hey, we do have Devin's truck, but we don't have any other answers for you. Now, the behavior of the man who was driving Devin's truck through the Tonto National Forest was so unreasonably out of character for Devin that it seemed totally impossible that Devin could have done this. But not so fast, Raggy. 
both Lynn and Jack Yarrington and the other people who saw this truck flying through the forest on that Sunday all insisted that the man behind the wheel was Devin Williams. And they were presented a picture of Devin and said, yep, that's him. Well, he had a very distinctive look. Man. Yes, he, he did. big blue man chew and pretty tall, and he had that, the hat he always wore. Mm-hmm. It's pretty pretty easy to tell who he was. Now, there is and there was absolutely no reason for why Devin would have been in the Tonto National Forest. On the offhand chance that he did want to go to the Tonto National Forest for some reason, he would have known that his semi-truck was not the ideal vehicle to be cruising the back roads of the forest. At the time Devin went missing from the phone call he placed to his boss, Tom, all he wanted to do, make his delivery, and get home to Americas so that he could be with his wife and kids. That's all he cared about. The police did consider that there was a possibility that Devin just ran away, but this theory didn't hold water. First, because Devin had no criminal record. Second, he had a great relationship with his wife, so there was no marital issues, no affairs, no scorned lovers out there. Third, yeah, she claimed, she claimed that they, it was probably the best time in their relationship. Because they just got a new house. You know, they're working on it, building their life together. She said there's no problems at all. Yeah, another reason they kind of throw this him running away out the window is because there was no other kind of outstanding relationship issues with friends or family. And finally, there's no financial problems. Sure, financially it was a little tight around their home, but Devin and Mary Lou were doing okay. They just wanted some extra money to fix up this house that they had just purchased because it was going to be their forever home. Well, yeah, and this is back in 1995 where you could freaking afford a damn house. Yeah, you're right. Amen to that. I mean, I, we could sell ours for a hell of a lot more than we paid for it, but I don't know where we would go. Exactly. <laughs> now, Devin and Mary Lou were not struggling to put food on the table. Police considered that maybe Devin was kidnapped or taken against his will. That kind of fell apart real quick when... They get a description of Devin because he's a very large, imposing, tatted-up cowboy hat-wearing, big mustache-having, Rolex-wearing, styling and profiling, truck-driving machine. Woo! (laughs) It would have taken a larger, more imposing figure with a weapon to attempt to kidnap Devin. Medical issues were ruled out, and Devin did not have a familial history of mental health problems. He had no neurological abnormalities. He had never used drugs, had always passed every single drug test that he got while employed at the trucking company. Devin was basically a normal, nice guy that really loved his family and was trying to do right by them and give them a forever home. None of this made any sense. Police mounted a massive search inside the Tonto National Forest. During the search, Jack and Lynn Yarrington, who had seen the truck almost take out the car heading towards it, would tell searchers that they actually thought they saw Devin, not in his truck, but out on foot walking around on Monday morning. This would have been mere hours before he was reported missing. They said they saw this guy wandering around barefoot down the road as they were driving out of the forest. They slowed down to ask him if he was okay, and this guy who... The Yarrington swear looked exactly like Devin Williams responded by picking up a rock and throwing it at their car. So Jack and Lynn was like, you know what? Fuck you. And just rolled her window up and drove on by. 
<laughs> I don't know if you can't. You, that's not a direct quote. You well, can't. You can't say I that. don't know, man. I have audio in the in the in the background. I wasn't gonna play it, but I mean, if you're gonna call me out, I guess I could play it. <laughs> hey, uh, are you okay? Now, fuck you. Throw a rock at my car. You can walk. See, that's, I mean, that was verbatim, 1995. <laughs> uh, so anyway. Like I said, they drive past him, and they don't realize that this was the same guy that was more than likely driving the truck. So when police begin their search, they were pretty confident that they're going to find Devin. Even more so after hearing this story from Jack and Lynn that he was likely on foot without shoes walking around the forest. Overconfidently, they assumed that he would not be able to get very far in those conditions. But despite a massive search, they could not find Devin. There was absolutely no trace of him. After almost three weeks of searching and not finding Devin, the police called the search off. Fast forward to May 2nd, 1997, almost exactly two years from when Devin had been reported missing, two hikers were walking on a trail in the middle of the Tonto National Forest. This trail was right smack dab in the middle of the area where police had extensively searched for Devin two years earlier. So these two hikers... They're out walking this trail, and in the distance, they see what looks like a very bright white object in the middle of the trail. Now, this is not some obscure trail out in the middle of nowhere. This is a very well-traveled trail that hikers use inside the Tonto National Forest. So it's not like something could sit in the middle of the trail for an extended period of time without being found. So these two hikers, they... They're getting closer and closer to this white object. When they get within just a few feet, they realize that this white thing is a perfectly intact human skull. No skeletal remains, just a skull. So these hikers are freaked the fuck out, and they are like, why has no one reported this? There is no way we are the first people to see this thing. So they call the police. The police come out, carefully extract the skull, and send it in for testing. And... DNA testing would reveal that the skull belonged to Devin Williams. Now, the discovery of Devin's skull kind of put to bed whether or not it was Devin driving that truck on that fateful Sunday and whether the Yarringtons had truly seen him early Monday morning. Now, people have put forth a plethora of theories as to what happened to Devin Got it in twice, my man. I know. She would hey, be very happy. When I was typing this up, I was like, oh, yeah, let's put it here. She's looking down very happy that she got it in twice. <laughs> now, these. I see you, Mom. That's right. These range, these theories range from Devin having some undiagnosed medical event to he literally snapped and lost his mind. Another one is he got so tired of not sleeping that he took some speed to stay awake and it caused him to do all this crazy shit. And then I, said, we, I mean, that's, that's, that, I mean, all those theories pretty valid, you know. And see, that's the thing. Like when I was researching it, I could see him being so frustrated and pissed off that he was like, "You know what? I'm just gonna take one. Say it was a yellow jacket, not meth. I'm gonna take one of these yellow jackets. I'm gonna power through. I'm gonna get this done. And I'll rest when I get home." And he had some crazy adverse reaction. Well, yeah, he could have been allergic. Yeah, you're right. He could have been allergic. Maybe it was the first time he ever tried it. But, dude, like, when you're already in a state of, in, like, insomnia, 
Like, trust me, we I've talked about it many times on this program. You see shit, you hear shit. You if you do not feel like yourself, you kind of, it's it's hard to explain, but you kind of feel outside yourself, like almost like you're observing. And to put if you're in that state, you're already hearing, you're already seeing things, and then you take fucking speed and you've never taken it before and you might be allergic to it. Yeah, that's a that's a good theory because damn cuz all they found was a skull. Yeah. You can't really do a toxicology report on a skull. They might could do one on one of the molars, but depending on how fast he died compared to when he took it, that would kind of that might throw that test off. But anyway, there are some other fringe theories out there that kind of go along the paranormal angle. One of these is that Devin was contacted by aliens and that's what caused all his odd and bizarre behaviors, kind of like fire in the sky kind of situation. Still others have likened his story to a fringe missing 411 case, especially with how the skull was found right in the middle of the search area on a well-traveled trail in the Tonto National Forest. Yeah, from what I read, it was like in the middle of the trail, like almost like it was set there. Yeah. And it was so, yeah, they, they said it was eerily white, like it had almost been bleached by the sun, but that trail didn't get enough sunlight for it to have set there for extended periods of time to be bleached. Still to this day, no one has any clue as to what happened to Devin at all. And this is one of the more strange or unexplained stories that the old uh, Unsolved Mysteries did. Now, before we started recording, Coach hit me with a couple of theories, and one of them I really like, and I'll let you say what you's talking about before we started recording. Well, I mean, what you said makes a lot of sense, too, but I was thinking it's possible that, A, he, uh, he either tried drugs for the first time or perhaps he got drugged, which helped cause all this. Or it was definitely just a mental break. He just, whatever happened, he lost it. And, you know, I used to, like, scoff at that idea. Oh, it's just a mental break. But the more I go to work. <laughs> Amen, brother. The more, the more that I do what I do, the, the more likely I can, uh, the more tangible I can see that is happening. But. What I would propose to you that you hadn't thought of was is maybe what if it was a carbon monoxide leak somehow in the truck from the engine, and he's breathing it in, and he's getting just enough oxygen. Like if he rolls the window down, he's still getting the at the effects of the carbon monoxide, but he's getting enough fresh air that he doesn't pass out, and so now he's yeah. hallucinating. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I really like that theory. Well, I like that, but you like that, but I like your theory of like. Uh, no, I like reaction. your theory, man. Your theory's cool. No, no, I like your theory. It's Valentine's week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have two plausible theories, neither one of which we thought of outside of being told. Um, but I really, I mean, I don't know, man. It's weird, and I guess I kind of hinge back on I really do like the fact that he could be under some kind of effect of that carbon monoxide but you would think when his truck got stuck and he got out of the truck we don't know how long he had been standing there but when that family walked up on him but you would think all of that um fresh air 
would kind of clear his head and he would have a hell of a headache. But again, we don't know. The one thing about the drug, like if he took, I was thinking, cause there's a lot of people, oh man, he took, he took meth, man. He took meth. I'm like, eh, I don't know if he would have taken meth. Maybe he would have taken now these, especially were relevant then in 95 and 90. Yeah. 95 was the old no-dos. Them fucking things keep you up for days. And you start like seeing shit that's not there, but you're extremely wide awake. Yeah, I don't, but again, that's why I liked your theory that he just like said, screw it. I've got to get home. I know I haven't slept, but wouldn't you? Well, that's what I was kind of, that's what I was kind of hinting at. Like if he took one no dose and he had never taken anything, cause you know, people that don't drink coffee, they don't drink a lot of sodas. Hell, we work with a guy from New York like that. He just drank water and exercised. What I'm saying is I've never taken these things, so I don't know. Do people usually take them like when they know they're going to have to stay up a long time, or do they take them when they already have stayed up a long time? The guy that explained the old no-dose to me was in nuke school in the Navy and had never made below an A in any college course or high school, he graduated valedictorian of his high school, and he explained to me that he was failing everything that he was taking in nuke school. And someone said, hey, man, try this. See if you can, like, get a couple extra hours studying in. And he said that it was a game changer. But he also uh, dabbled in some recreational things back in the 80s. (laughs) However, I like your point. I think you're exasperate. All right, so it would make more sense to take these kind of things if you know, hey, I got a 12-hour drive. I'm just going to hammer through it. I'm going to pop me one of these pills when I eat dinner, and I'm going to pop me another one in about five hours. But like you said, if he's already, we already know he's frustrated because he's pissed off. He can't get any sleep, and he calls his boss and says, look, I'm ill I'm going to get there, but just know I can't sleep, so I'm going to have to pull over again. Um, I'm thinking maybe that kind of leads credence to if he took one, say it was a yellow jacket or a no-dose or whatever the hell they were back then. Excuse me. He takes it, and he's okay, and he's like got this kind of like a caffeine. I had a big old espresso, and he's like, hell, I'll just take me another one. And that second one is when shit hits the fan. Yeah, because he's really not that far from where he called. He would be what three hours in to his trip after he called. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he didn't get he didn't get far. Mm-mm. Whatever happened to him happened pretty quick after he made the phone call. And when he made the phone call, he was normal. Right. Tom states unequivocally on the episode and in articles that there was no alarm bells. And the only thing that kind of is odd was the fact that he had called him to tell him he couldn't sleep. He said, other than that, everything was perfect. So I don't know, man, this, this one's a head scratcher, of course, but we've got those two prevalent theories that we like. And then there's all these other ones. And I'm sure there's somebody out there that's going to listen to this. And they're like, these two dumbasses didn't even think of this. And it's going to be like earth shattering. Well, hell, I mean, we also have the mystery of how he died. Yeah, nobody knows. I mean, we don't know. Yeah. Did he succumb? Did he have a heat stroke? Was it a heart attack? There's no, we have no idea how the man died. We don't have any explanation of why he did what he did. And we don't know how he made his demise. 
It's a twofer mystery, man. Twofer. And we don't we don't have any explanation to why his skull was found in the middle of a trail of a place that had already been thoroughly searched. These like you can just think to yourself, oh well, maybe they just missed it. No. These these search parties are good and thorough. Especially in the western states. A lot of people think like especially from us, they're like I know the the stigma here is they called in search and rescue and you're like, well, hell, what are they going to find? Search and rescue is not going to know anything other than like the guy that knows the best is going to be the landowner or somebody that hunts this property. But out West, when they call in those search and rescue guys, man, they literally, there's no stone left unturned. And they'll sometimes go, you know, they'll make a line, a search line and they'll walk within eye shot of each other so that they can see anything out there. And they flag anything and even back then in 95 they still had their shit together but anyway all right so we've beat this one to death uh recommendations i'm going to i don't this is kind of a tongue-in-cheek i don't really want to recommend it but i'm going to it's the new true crime documentary on paramount plus Hashtag cyber sleuths. It goes into the Idaho college murders. And oh, really? It does. But I'm going to tell you something. And it's hard to watch because there's a couple of these cyber sleuths that have made some influencing inroads through TikTok that you just want to reach through the TV and slap the shit out of. Now there's one girl that they um, really hinge on her and an older lady kind of teamed up. And these two take this very seriously. Uh, The one younger lady is actually trying to make it a very valid, reputable thing. Her channel, very, she's got a YouTube channel. Uh, I think her YouTube channel is true crime, Olivia. Um, But anyway, She's trying very hard to, you know, do the right thing. Yes, her TikTok and her YouTube are both monetized. So there's a lot of shade thrown her way, but she kind of tells everybody, like, look, you know, when Gabby Petito went missing, she's from Florida. So she went to that uh, forest where Brian Laurie was at. And so they start looking. I think her and another lady either find his water bottle or find a water bottle similar, but they also find that noose. So she's got some credibility, but man, there's some, why would they they demonize and talk shit? Because her YouTube is monetized. Like they're trying to say that she's only in it for the money. I, I get that money's great. We have to have it. But what, just because wouldn't getting money by doing this provide her with more time to try to do a better job at finding what she's trying to find out. And that's what we, she's done. People say we do a good job and we do. And the people that like us really like us, but man, if we could monetize this podcast and be able to do it full time, how much better do you think it could be? Right. And that's the thing. Like, that's what I, I kind of saw us in her, and she's a younger lady, and I, I don't mean like she's 16 or anything. Like she's probably in her mid-20s. But the thing is, with her, she's really trying to do right. 
she's she's she does not put her own opinion into anything she posts. She strictly sticks to the facts, and she uses all the money she makes to fund her flights to these. Like she flew out to Idaho, I think two or three times, maybe more than that. Um, and she did uh TikTok live videos there, and she had kind of been like this faceless true crime person. And then when this one started, she took her mother out there, and her mother filmed for her, and she was in front of the camera. Here's what just griped my ass, and I'm two or three episodes into it. I don't know how many there are. It's probably four. Um, they've just gotten to where the guy that they arrested is about to go to trial. Anyway, so they've got a retired FBI agent. They've got a retired Moscow PD. Uh, I think he's a captain or a corporal. Anyway, they're on there, and so they're kind of giving the law enforcement background and then they've got these three or four, there's four prevalent true crime people from TikTok on there. Um, but then they've got this, this fucking TV news anchor or producer on there, and she's just a pompous, mean ass. And she's like, this is what's wrong with people that just throw out ideas on social media, and they, they tank the case, and they poison the case, and I'm like... Like, I could feel my blood pressure rising, and I'm like, but you knowingly sat there and lied to the American people and said, hey, if you wear a mask and you stay six feet apart, you can't get this. And so I just find it very, like, you could, I mean, there's, you cannot hide this woman's disdain for all these true crime social media people. I understand where she's coming from when she says that a lot of misinformation is out there. But the thing is, that's part of the the digital age we live in. People are going to get out there. There's no recourse. They're just putting out theories. Hey, do you think it could have been a drug deal gone bad? Do you think it could have been a burglary? Do you, hey, what about the neighbor? He looks kind of squirrely. We might want to look into him. And so they're just throwing shit against the wall. And whatever doesn't stick, they scoop back up, and put it in the bucket, and wait till tomorrow. And they throw it up against the wall again. I think they I think overall if you can get past some of these personalities on this this show it really does a good job of kind of showing you how the investigation worked from a law enforcement standpoint as well as how quickly this went viral. So I'll get off my soapbox now. Thank God. <sighs> that horse is dead. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your recommendation? Well, I got a I got a true crime new true crime documentary as well that I watched the other day. It's on HBO. Well, no, it's just Max now, but it's really good. It's called They Called Him Mostly Harmless. I saw that. Is that the one that stalked several women? No, this is the one that they found him dead. He was hiking the Appalachian Trail. Oh, and they found him dead in his tent in Florida. And he was like, he'd like starved to death, but he had food next to him, like food in his belong. Like he had food, but he had food. He could have ate, eaten, but they found him. He was like 83 pounds and he was dead. He was in the middle of a national forest in Florida in like June, like 90 something degrees in swamp area. Yeah. A thousand percent really, humidity. Yeah. Really good documentary though. They, the whole, 
web sleuth thing. It gets the same thing you were talking about, all the web sleuths and who was trying to figure it out and the infighting of the group and then the blah, blah, blah. And then, well, it, but I, I will say this, they kind of hit on, on it in that and what, and I guess this is another thing that kind of pissed me off about that other NBC or CB. I don't know what she's from some major damn news thing. <laughs> My thing is, and we've been very lucky. We have not met any other podcasters that are not, you know, very genuine at helping us. Um, I'm sure there are asshole podcasters out there that just don't give a damn about helping anybody else, but we couldn't be where we're at without a lot of people that have kind of been like, yeah, man, you know, Miss Boo Colts like is one be, of them. We've gotten like, yeah, Boo Colts, Miss Boo Colts has helped us tremendously, but we've gotten things where it's, we've been contacted by like, hey, We've listened to your podcast. If you give us a shout out, we'll give you a shout out. Yeah. We've had people say, I'm just going to give you a shout out. And then we've, uh, I've listening to an episode of a random podcast that I liked. They shouted us out without us even knowing. I know. And you'd like, Hey, 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 dude. I was like, man, they, 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 they were like, well, they said the only place that I've heard this particular thing was from our our one of our favorite podcasts, Mysterious Bruise. And I was like, "What?" <laughs> they said it, <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing, like um, the Jessica Van Zant Dietzel. When we did that one, one of the um, the private investigator down there re- reached out, and I thought, "Oh hell, now it's my turn." I pissed somebody off, but no, she was extremely helpful big mad true crime had done a couple of episodes on that case and um man they were just so gracious and generous and was like hey you know y'all asked some questions we kind of cleared this up but that's the thing man it's just i think nobody it's kind of lost with people that don't understand like web sluice and stuff like that, there is going to be some infighting on those message boards. But for the most part, we've been very lucky when it comes to this podcast about how people are just so, you know, welcoming. They are understanding. And so, you know, and I even reached out to Helen Gone about those episodes that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And she's doing a phenomenal job with the Jason Lyrell case, and that, that's, ooh, if you want a head-scratcher, listen to Helen Gone, Jason Lyrell, part one and two. Good Lord. But anyway, um, yeah, man, it's just, I don't know, I guess since we're in it, I kind of take offense to people saying that these armchair sleuthers don't know what the hell they're talking about, but kind of like Jennifer Bucholt said, when it came to the Zodiac case, we don't give a shit who gets credit. Just test the fucking evidence and let's solve a case. doesn't matter. Yeah. And I mean, these quote unquote web sleuths have solved many a case. Look about, uh, you know, one guy, uh, two guys, one ice pick or whatever that shit, that Luke Magnata bullshit. There's a whole series on, on max about, uh, you know, don't fuck with cats. They, <laughs> They didn't know that he had killed a man. They just saw him posting videos of him killing cats, and those two people were like, oh, fuck that. 
<laughs> yeah, look at Bob Ruff, his Truth and Justice podcast. He gets that guy off death row. He saves his life, and he was a volunteer fire chief. That's all he did, and he like started a podcast and solved a case. There's a, you know, that's the thing. I mean, I don't know. It just it just grabs my ass sometimes that people. These are the same people bitching or the same people that y'all had one in your town. There was a deputy or a sergeant or something that everybody thought was just the biggest prick. And he thought that God himself gave him his badge and he could do no wrong. These people that just can't see that we're all trying to just like the episodes that we do, some of these obscure cases, we're just trying to bring light to it. And hopefully somewhere out there, somebody, it jogs a memory for someone. And then somebody calls somebody else and something gets rolling. That's what we're doing. But anyway, all right. After all that, y'all just, we're going to pass the offering plate, make the checks payable to coach. Yeah, seriously. No bullshit. (laughs) The man's, the man's struggling. <laughs> you know, we joke a lot, but if there's a listener out there willing to give me cash, just oh, speaking of which, directly. damn, I'm glad you said something. We had, and I can't find it. I've been looking for it. Somebody off our link tree that I made like episode three. I guess we put on there that you could donate. We got ten dollars somewhere out there. Somebody donated ten dollars to hey, keep up the good work. And I'm like, well, a, thank you, but b, where the hell did this money go? <laughs> but anyway, all right. So, Coach, you got anything else? I know we've rambled for like twenty minutes after the case, but hey, that's what they—that's what they—that's what they pay the big bucks to hear, man. That's right, the bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know I don't, brother. Uh, deuces. <laughs>